2: There's ghosts haunting these woods, and they're headed straight for Roaring Camp Railroads. Is it a trick? No. It's Thomas and Percy's Halloween party. And with a bounce house, pumpkin patch, temporary tattoos and face painting, plus photos with Sir Topham Hatt, it's certainly going to be a treat. So get down to Roaring Camp before all the fun disappears. Weekends October 12th through the 27th.
3: hello everyone welcome back to road of Is overtime on road of Is radio brought to you by MyBookie and the ffpc as always my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland and i'm joined once again by my co-host mr sean siegel sean it was a big week in the nfl there's lots of stuff i guess that has been talked to a lot of times so far over this week uh, reactionary uh, you know kind of information and we're not really going to talk too much about it in today's show we're going to try and focus on the future what's happening uh, coming forward here with the draft season but obviously it's uh, very hard to look past obviously the major news that has happened with Andrew Luck and then Lamar Miller and Josh Gordon possible reinstatement so there's a lot of things this week but before we jump into that Sean how's things this week Uh, I guess in the heart of draft season well and truly
1: well this is the best time of year Curtis and I had a main event draft last friday night and that was a blast It's it's always fun to do these big drafts and certainly uh, if you haven't done one with a co-owner and had that sort of back and forth as you're going through the draft getting to talk through the players getting to enjoy the countdown in each round to your guy to see if he will make it uh, that camaraderie and exchange of information there uh, really Makes it even a lot more fun experience. So I would recommend that if you're considering doing a draft with a co-owner, uh, definitely take the plunge. You'll have a, you'll have a blast
3: yeah and for anyone listening to uh, matt freeman and dave Cabin on the uh, road of his flagship show uh, they're they're drafting as well so they've been talking about their draft strategy and it is it's good and it's a bit like uh, you know getting to talk back and forth with you and certain players sean it, it opens your horizons you kind of dive into different areas and you kind of might think of something that you mightn't have thought of previously so it's a, it's a really fun time and really adds to it but um obviously the drafts are just coming thick and fast it's, it's been a real a real fun couple of weeks here and obviously the, the big piece of news i mentioned there a moment ago and we're gonna talk later in the show about that draft you did as well with curtis so really looking forward to diving into that one but when we look at the injury news over the, the last couple of days we're obviously talking about lamar miller uh, he is out for the uh obviously the rest of the season and that gives a big boost to duke johnson and his value there'll be lots of things and we'll, we'll be talking a little bit more about the draft later and also um about, about you know some of the zero rb candidates from that 10 true one list that you've uh, up on the site but in terms of duke johnson uh, obviously it's it's like a major spike in his value and it's very hard to really call him a true zero rb player because of where he was in a different offense a different team a couple of weeks back but this is ideally what you're looking to have happen um for for those zero rb candidates uh, to have that player in front of them unfortunately go down and increase their value but obviously lamar miller we talked about him a couple of times this off season there wasn't know that real excitement for us we kind of know what lamar miller is we obviously didn't want to see him getting injured but what's your thoughts on uh, duke johnson now as we as we get ready for week one
1: well at the end of this year running back countdown published last week i teased that there were two people getting ready to move into the (coughs) countdown in the update uh however in the interim uh, lamar miller was injured and so duke johnson who was one of those two players is now no longer exactly in you know this window we talk about you look at the ffp uh, redraft command center on the site you can see that duke johnson is going at running back 26 in the first half of the fifth round and this really fits what we think will happen with him tyler had a fantastic article up on the site uh, pretty much right away looking at duke's potential results now using the projection machine going through the different scenarios explaining what that spike in volume meant for him certainly he's got the perfect profile we talked about it with ben this idea of the trap percentage we've talked about ryan collinsworth and all of his work and just how much duke johnson fits into really all of those different pieces in terms of the kind of workload that he has and how many points he can score even if he doesn't have a gigantic number of carries so certainly that makes sense there the other piece of news this past week obviously the the sad but very understandable retirement of andrew luck and we now see that ty hilton has dropped down into the fourth round uh, you know this has a cascade effect across their entire offense I think that it makes someone like a Marlon Mack also a lot less palatable since you're not going to have all of those goal line opportunities. The offense just won't function as well. But I would point out there are a couple of very interesting articles on the site looking at T.Y. Hilton in the projection machine. Ryan has uh, a piece, that piece is by Matt Jones, his fantasy football multiverse series has been really cool and then ryan takes a look at mac and explains why you shouldn't necessarily go away from him because of this luck injury so if you're kind of debating that for yourself you know these articles will give you some real real evidence-based uh, arguments for the other side so uh, I, I think those are, are interesting points to make Colm, are you away from the colts now at this point
3: I think um, for anyone that's uh, in our listener league, we have a couple of the listener leagues going drafting at the moment on the FFPC. I have an extremely Colts-heavy lineup, but uh, those rounds of the draft had already occurred before Andrew Luck's uh, retirement happened. So it's a lineup at the moment that has Heinz, Helton, and Luck. So I was was stacking up there, but obviously that there has uh, Luck to be maybe a poor strategy now at this moment in time. But the the first part of the news is obviously that it it really sucks, um, you know, for... Uh, the NFL that Luck isn't playing but obviously at the, this moment in time it's the best thing for him so I can understand uh, that decision that he has made. Uh, looking at the, the Colts then across the board I think there is going to be just a, a downturn in their ADP I guess and at certain points that ADP becomes a value. Uh, I think uh, maybe obviously it's going to be a huge downturn from what we were expecting from Luck but I think what we might get from Jacoby Brissett isn't as bad as what people may be expecting so there's, there still will be a value there but I do think that it's going to drop know probably some of those players half around to around in terms of their adp but uh still at, at their values I, I still would be interested in some of those guys and the guys that again that i'm talking about is as and uh of course um heinz and heinz continues to he he's probably the one i'm still targeting but it, it does definitely drop their overall projections um for the season but just uh, disappointing news uh, overall for colts fans and for nfl fans in general So as we mentioned on each show, I just want to give you a quick uh, reminder before we dive into the topics, and that is you can get uh, access to the Rotovis Radio Slack and get in there with all our uh, writers and our podcasters to get some interaction, get some league-winning advice from ourselves guys like myself uh dave caben uh hassan rahim uh, blair andrews there's just a huge crew of guys in there having a lot of fun and we've talked about monty fan over the last couple of weeks and the high stakes strategies that he has he's in there as well so lots of good information being garnered in there and each week the the patreon ship continues to grow so it's a lot of fun patreon ships starting at just six dollars per month you can jump in today join that exclusive community of listeners you can sign up today at patreon.com slash rotoviz radio we also want to remind you that listeners get a 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. That subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL tools and content. Best of all, it helps support the pod. Plus, for a limited time only, we're offering a two year uh, Rotoviz Radio NFL subscription, which gives you 10% discount and complimentary access to the Rotoviz Radio Patreon and the Slack channel for 2019. So, that's all that the Slack the two-year pass and 10% off uh, for all that in one go. So you can sign up for that at rotowiz.com forward slash podcast. Don't miss out on that two-year subscription. Tremendous value and of course once again that is rotowiz.com forward slash podcast. So Sean, this year now we're going to jump into the 0RB, the top 10 list. We did 15 up to 11 last week and you mentioned last week that people were looking to get that information uh, before it actually came out on the site. It is one of the most popular pieces on the site each season uh, and I have seen uh, you know, through, through the Patreon as well, a lot of interaction regarding it, but 10 through one is what we're going to look at today, and when we look through it, uh, a couple of parts that stood out to me, and you know, obviously with Melvin Garden, the news coming out today, some reports expecting him to be back for week one of the season, possibly with the Chargers, but obviously there's a lot to happen in the next two weeks for that to happen. Uh, two of the players who made the top 10, um, and I'm just, want, I'm just interested, is this one of the first years that two players have made the top 10 uh, in the same season that is Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler both off the Chargers and um, first of all um, is this the first year the two two of the same team have made the top 10 of the list?
1: It, it is not we have a situation where Tevin Coleman uh, is is always on the list and he, uh, yeah. <laughs> he missed he missed the cutoff this season by just a few ADP slots I really try and focus the list on on running backs who are being drafted outside the first five rounds even though certainly there are going to be some users who are going to start with wide receiver times four and then are wanting to pivot to running back in that fifth round but we get a little bit more of a truesier running back if we have four wide receivers and a tight end in those first five picks and that gives you a little bit more firepower for your flex spot as well uh, Coleman is, is often in there. The Kyle Shanahan teams often feature multiple backs and we would actually have had that again this season with them. If Coleman had been uh, just slightly cheaper because Matt Brita is on the list again, a couple of the guys like Brita, like Eckler uh, they are on the list almost every season because they return value. They have these fantastic athletic profiles. I'm not sure if everyone who uh, is drafting fantasy drafts is watching the NFL realizes just how explosive these guys are. I mean, with Breida, you've got the four three nine forty, but then you've got a forty two inch vertical and a six eight five three cone, right? So when he's out there and he's running by everyone, and you have these big splash runs, and then there's the idea, of, well, he can't do it again. You know, no one goes out there and has you know 40 50 yard runs two three times a game but one of the things we've seen with players like a Barry Sanders or players like a Chris Johnson players like a Jamal Charles is that you can do this more than once you can continue to make explosive plays if you are that level of athlete now Brita is not quite the Tyreek Hill level he's not the Tyreek Hill of running backs but he is this freakish athlete and so he will remain on the list until he's in this clear Uh, starting role and is actually being drafted you know in those first three or four rounds a similar thing with Eckler, but the reason you bring this up we have the couple of chargers on the list we have Justin Jackson and it's very difficult to take any of these chargers I think because they're all so compelling right? You mentioned that Melvin Gordon may come back. And if he does, then we would expect him to slot into a very big workload, a workload that still gives Eckler a chance to have standalone value. But then once you bring Justin Jackson into the equation, everything just becomes more congested. And the reason that Jackson is on that list, the reason he's interesting to us is that his physical comps, right? You pull up Christian McCaffrey in the combine explorer, and you see that his number two physical comp is Justin Jackson. You pull up Justin Jackson in the box score scout, and that way you're looking at production and athleticism. You find that his number one comp is Aaron Jones. You go back and you look through his collegiate rushing profile, and you find that he's even more productive than someone like a Phillip Lindsay. And that production was one of the reasons why we like Lindsay, right? I mean, Lindsay is a guy who was a, a, a massive workhorse in college, a very, very good college back who was also really fast. Right, someone who actually has an NFL profile, not someone who should have been undrafted. Well, Justin Jackson, you start to look at all of these different things, and you are asking yourself, how did he fall to where he was in the draft? And then you can start to understand why the Chargers are not budging on Melvin Gordon because with Eckler, with Justin Jackson, they already have one of the more stacked backfields in the NFL. So, I like both of those guys; they're both on the list. It does get tricky because when you're starting to look at different scenarios and how things would fall out and where the value would come from you can easily see it with a duke johnson right lamar miller goes down and all of a sudden even once they bring someone in and they probably will bring someone in to sort of soak up a few of those very very low value touches but duke johnson very straightforward where his points are going to come from both on a full season basis and a game-by-game basis, it becomes a little bit more tricky with these Chargers, especially if we have Gordon back. So hopefully this will break out in a situation where everyone's happy. Uh, I'm a big Melvin Gordon fan, and it would be kind of cool to see him go to one of these teams that actually needs a running back and to free up these athletic stars behind him
3: yeah I agree with that as well but I think probably the thing that happens is we see him back with the Chargers and then we have a situation where these two guys are just shuffled down a little bit now what what ideally I would have seen at the start of the offseason would have been a situation where we had Garden in place and then at the moment obviously you have somebody like Eckler going in the sixth round you know he's then into that kind of 10th to 11th round range and then you have Justin Jackson going in kind of the 16th 17th round range which makes them much more palatable Uh, out of the two I've always liked Eckler Eckler's kind of before Heinz came along last season Eckler was that same guy for me Matt Breed is in that category of players who I always just like to target but Justin Jackson um, is probably out of the two the one I like least but in terms of their current value is the one I like most if that makes sense in terms of the ADP in terms of where you're drafting them is it Jackson that probably is ending up on more rosters for you than Eckler?
1: he is although both of these players well i think they're fantastic values and i have them on the list because if they come to you in the spot in a draft where you're looking for a running back and they're the top running back on your board you should definitely strike for me they they, it just doesn't sync up quite that way in drafts and so these are two of the backs who are on the list who i have a lot of ownership in in dynasty and certainly am looking to select if it shakes out properly, but it's been a little bit more difficult for the reasons that you're saying. They are uh, better picks a little bit later because uh, at this point they're probably overvalued from the perspective of Le'Veon Bell holding out all season last year, which you know, Gordon has certainly threatened to make this a very serious holdout. But for both him and for Ezekiel Elliott, it just really doesn't make sense, and so. In order for that to happen, we would need to see them follow Bell's plan all the way to the point of it not making sense, which it didn't make sense for Bell, it doesn't make sense for them.
3: Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see. It's uh, the countdown is on. There's there's two weeks to go. Let's see what happens there. We're not going to go through player by player on the list. I do urge all the listeners uh, to go and check out the list if they haven't already. Uh, but there is some interesting names. Somebody who I thought was a prime zero RB candidate all the way back at the, kind of the start of the off season was Caelan Balazs. Because I know we both weren't huge. Uh, uh, kenyan drake fans at his adp obviously looks like he's going to be back in the picture as well but balai's made the list i think he's a very interesting candidate there somebody who uh, i haven't quite a few dynasty rosters and that was just based on last year's drafts that uh, he seemed to fall to me in quite a few spots and uh, it'll be interesting to see this year um, if that there does hold firm in terms of Uh, A nice boost in his value if he can get the the lead role there. The player then that stands out for me that uh, we haven't talked too much in the show, Sean, recently, but I have seen him getting quite a bit of talk over the last couple of weeks. But obviously, we have a situation that Seattle have been one of the most run heavy, if not the most run heavy teams in the NFL over the last couple of seasons. Last year, it was kind of a little bit frustrating to watch them as they continue to run. Uh, And although Russell Wilson was hugely efficient and so is Tyler Lockett, uh, it continued to to go and go again. But Rashid Penny makes the list. and he is somebody who, uh, you know, is is still very interesting. Um, what's your thoughts on on him versus Carson this year? Obviously, you, you think there's a chance for
1: Penny still to make that impact. One of the things that we see and that we talk about a lot with the list is that uh, draft slot actually has even a little bit greater impact on projecting the second year touches for these running backs. And so we know that Seattle believed in him. We know that they have this narrative surrounding the team that they'll play the best players and aren't as tied to their draft picks as maybe some other teams. And while that may be true to an extent, they certainly want Penny to be a big part of this offense. He's falling because he has not looked great in the preseason. But if we look at the bigger picture, we look at some of these uh, things that are also not that important, (laughs) just like the preseason results are not that important. But you look about... At him showing up to camp in much better shape, this idea that they're going to throw the ball to their running backs more. And I think that that's the real red flag. If you, again, have read Ryan Collinsworth's work, if you have been following Rotoviz from the beginning, you definitely know that you want these backs that have some pass receiving upside. And certainly, you know, we would like to see that with Penny. But we've talked about it on the show before. And when you have a couple of appealing backs, Then you want to target that second guy. Court had a great series again that you're looking at. When you have these committees, the person who is the less expensive member of that committee ends up with a win rate that is equal to the superstars, right? And so that's one of the reasons why we'd be looking at Penny, especially now as he slides down into the eighth round and just a couple of things that, you know, show why the Seahawks would have picked him and why we would still like him. He was the second he had the second highest score last year in the running back prospect lab. Obviously that was a lowest uh, loaded class. He had the second best score in the backfield dominator rating among the elite prospects. He had impressive kick return production, which is an undervalued prospect indicator. He led that class in college in the last year with uh, in terms of the number of rushes of 40 plus yards. So we can see that explosion right and then the box score scout gave two of his three closest comps from melvin gordon and trent richardson and one of the reasons i think this uh, is kind of interesting and kind of fun is that both of those players had very controversial rookie seasons now they were used more and you could argue that they they failed more because they were given more chances to fail and then they went in different directions with their career good to that now I would suggest that those two players probably were actually a little bit better prospects than Penny. And certainly even an elite prospect like Trent Richardson can wash out of the NFL. There are no guarantees, right? But when we're looking at the cost, when we're looking at the upside and we're looking at what we historically see from these second year backs, I really like taking the risk on Penny in this area.
3: Yeah. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be interesting there as well. That's the thing with the the zero RB list. It's always intriguing um, because we're projecting, you know, as you mentioned a couple of weeks back you're kind of projecting into week eight week nine to see who can be that lead back so always fascinating as i mentioned a moment ago i i do urge the listeners to go and check out the list the number one on that list we're going to leave it open Uh, if you do guess who it is uh, hit me up on Twitter and let me know, but uh, you can see number one on the list if you head on over to rotabiz.com, check out Sean's latest piece, uh, looking at the 0RB list for 2019 and of course, uh, still one of the, the ways to go in all your drafts and any, anyone that's in the, the Listener League they'll have seen, it's amazing how far these running backs are falling in that Listener League, it's almost like a wide receiver only league through six rounds uh, so it's been a fun fun experience to, to see with the listeners and they're, they're all obviously reading Sean's stuff and going full 0RB and, and the those leagues uh, but let's uh, let's move along and uh, let's let's jump on to the next topic before we get to that next topic i just want to let you know about one of our other partners over at MyBookie. it is a new season one thing hasn't changed and that's where we're putting down our money this season MyBookie is the place to bet on football every weekend my Bookie has better bonuses and more props than any other sportsbook period this year they are hosting the online handicapping super contest first place is guaranteed to win at least one hundred thousand dollars that's right one hundred thousand dollars and it costs just one hundred dollars to enter all you got to do is pick your Five NFL games each week against the spread, and watch your team climb the leaderboard to grab a share off that huge cash prize. That's why my Bookie is the right play each and every week and each and every season. You bet, you win. They pay. They will also match your first deposit up to thousand dollars. That's right. They'll double that first deposit. Use the promo code RotoViz to activate the offer. Visit mybookie online today. That's mybookie, and don't forget to use the promo code RotoViz
0: talk to us at cordell and cordell
2: contact cordellcordell.com. 1065 east hillsdale boulevard suite 310 foster city california 94404 there's ghosts haunting these woods and they're headed straight for roaring camp railroads is it a trick no it's thomas and percy's halloween party and with a bounce house, pumpkin patch, temporary tattoos and face painting, plus photos with Sir and hats, it's certainly going to be a treat. So get down to Roaring Camp before all the fun disappears. Weekends October 12th through the 27th.
3: So Sean, we teased it earlier in the show we were talking about... Uh, obviously the draft you did with curtis for the ffpc main event it uh, it's, it was it's fun fun to read this article and i can't wait to dive into it uh, and look through and ask you some questions about the selection process uh so when you look at it you obviously you, you had pick 104 in that first round we've talked about this quite a bit on our strategy uh, if we have one of those top four picks that kind of modified zero rb approach uh, so i can see in the article that's obviously the way you went uh was it just basically what we've talked about all off season long and that was uh it was an easy decision to go with the uh, best available
1: at that spot. It wasn't an easy decision because we really wanted one of those top 3 guys and we had the 104. When we originally drew the slot, we were pretty excited because that looked like it would give us Alvin Kamara, but certainly Ezekiel Elliott has thrown a wrench into all of that for for people who are drafting in the fourth spot. There was a little bit of discussion of taking Juju Smith-Schuster, who is the number 1 wide receiver in our projections, and uh, in terms of our individual boards i have hopkins and smith schuster basically identical and one of the things one of the reasons why i like smith schuster is that i have so much will fuller that and fuller is is easier to buy right he's one of those players who is sitting there in a little bit of a tricky spot spot consistently in drafts and so if you're looking to play that texans passing offense he represents a cheaper option than hopkins so there was a little bit of discussion there, but I think that one of the things that you try and do with that first round is to balance a little bit who your first round picks are. So if you're going to be in multiple drafts, then perhaps you wait to take Smith Schuster when you have a later pick. And then, you know, one of the things with him is that he's a second rounder, right? And clearly we, we don't think that's the right valuation since uh, he was in play for that fourth pick. But as you're structuring your different teams, you're probably going to wait for a different draft slot to make the move with him,
3: and um, you mentioned there had uh, all well, the to it as we move along. But uh, two players on pretty much every one of my rosters this uh, offseason has been uh, Didi Westbrook is one. The other one there is Will Fuller. So they continue. You mentioned it's a difficult slot, but. I, I, t- I tend to be taking them a round or two ahead of uh, ADP anyway to get them on but we'll see how you did when we got to those rounds round two then uh picking 209 uh you've down here the t- the targets were Tyreek Hill Todd Gurley Mike Evans and George Kittle for the listeners who haven't read the piece yet which pick did you do you take off the board
1: Well, Hill was much more of a very much just in case because we did not believe he would fall to that spot. The other three guys were more likely, and we were pretty sure that we would have a chance to select one of those three players. And uh, with just two picks to go before our selection, all three of them were still on the board. So we knew we were going to get one. At that point, Todd Gurley and Mike Evans then went. And so we did take Kittle. It was going to be a difficult choice, if evans had been there because he's a little bit more of our priority uh kate has an article on the site that's really cool talking about how mike evans is going to be the wide receiver one this year certainly believe that he is undervalued should be going in that top half of the second round maybe even the very bottom of the first round but as the draft progressed, we were very happy that we got Kittle, especially in the tight end premium format. He allows you to have a just a league-winning kind of player at the tight end position, which you, know, you don't have those from other guys. And then also, it makes the rest of the draft much easier because you don't have to worry about reaching at tight end. You don't have to worry about tight end runs. You don't have to worry about using multiple valuable spots in order to have it covered. And so having Kittle here was a real advantage for the way the rest of the draft went
3: yeah it's 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 a nice feeling when you get to a point in the draft where you have three picks that you have and then there's two picks in front of you so you're guaranteed to get one of them what's not and you 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 were lucky you had the third option there what's not nice is when it happens where you the two just come off the board and you only had two really targets at that point but always nice when it falls the correct way. When you get into round three, then it's a quick wraparound back to three hundred four. four. Um, so the targets, and I know some of these have gone off the board. In the meantime, we talked about Melvin Gordon a moment ago, but he, you have him listed as a target. You have Rotova's favorite, Stefan Diggs, and then on Johnson. So what was the pick in round three?
1: Well, these were three different types of players because on Johnson would give us a very running back heavy start, which certainly isn't the, the way that I traditionally like to approach the draft you mentioned the listener leagues and you know how wide receiver heavy those are i think that's the way to do it the ffpc is a little bit more running back heavy and if we went with that start if we didn't like any of the wide receivers in that range then we would probably have taken seven consecutive wide receivers to really fill out the rest of the roster in the first half of the draft there but carry on, has been moving up into the tail end of the second round was no longer there melvin gordon uh, Really that, you know, huge swing kind of pick in. And- because uh, again of the 11 weeks and really trying to get off to a fast start we decided not to go that route even though certainly if you put him with a david johnson then you would have those two elite running backs to really anchor your team we did go with stefan diggs diggs tends to be more of an end of the third round kind of player but he's substantially undervalued in that point all of the receivers who outscored him last year were gone at this point and he was a, a fairly clear cut pick for us
3: yeah when you look at it if you think about it like if you think about melvin garden going at that 104 spot like realistically if he hadn't um you know had all these offseason issues this offseason you're probably having him in that david johnson category you know at that 104 105 106 range uh in terms of what he did last year before he got injured so uh, getting him at that 304 is incredible value if he's there for the whole season but again it comes down to if he does what Le'Veon Bell did last year, nobody thought Bell was going to really see it out. Um, it obviously becomes a massive, colossal uh, waste of an investment at that point. So it's going to be very interesting to see there as we move forward on that one. P- round four, then, you're picking at 4.09. So quite a bit of a wait then for it to come back. You have the targets, Brandon Cooks, Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, Robert Woods. And th- this here is my favorite kind of area of current drafts, is at round four through six, to, there's there's a lot of wide receivers, young wide receivers in particular, in those three rounds that I, I really do love to target but with that again obviously th- there's no there's no surprise here there was no running backs in this uh, list of targets so h- how did you come down to making the decision as to who to take at 409
1: yeah this is the running back dead zone so this was certainly one of the rounds where running backs were not under consideration uh, the we wanted to come out of the draft with one of the Rams receivers, and so a couple of the guys were in the conversation here. Brandon Cooks was going, and that really made our discussion down to Calvin Ridley versus DJ Moore. Uh, we've talked about those guys all season, and Curtis has done a really cool article that you've got to check out uh, that will sell you even more on DJ Moore uh, as a personal favorite. This is a a tricky selection. Calvin Ridley is is also the guy that I have on basically every team. His breakout metrics are fantastic. He basically clears all the different hurdles that you want there. And he's really in position to be that guy, just like Juju Smith-Schuster last year, where even in a secondary role, he's poised to take that jump to where I believe in next year's fantasy drafts. He's going to be a mid-second round pick. He also has the second best wide receiver schedule in fantasy football. If you want to dive in a little bit more than that, on that, definitely go to the site and check out what Dave Cabin has done. He's got a really advanced uh, method for looking at strength of schedule, which will give you a ton of advantages as you're doing your big drafts this weekend. But putting those two things together, and then you've got that tiny issue of Cam Newton's injury, doesn't look like that's going to be a big deal. But a little bit like the situation with Will Fuller being available later, Curtis Samuel, another guy on our board. And so we felt like if we passed here on more and he didn't come back, then we would be able to get Curtis Samuel later. So that was sort of the tiebreaker for us. And we went the direction of Ridley.
3: Yeah, that's around there. You know, there's uh, Tyler Lockett, uh, Woods, Redley, Godwin, uh, just so many nice players in there. Uh, you mentioned Moore as well. So uh, just I, I enjoy these couple of rounds, and it's it's good good to look through them. Uh, round five, then um, I mentioned already, Lockett, uh, obviously our favorite guy there. Tyler Boyd is up next, and then we have Cooper Cup, and uh, I think the listeners have listened long enough. If they have stuck with us, uh, we mentioned and I teased it earlier about the, the zero RB number one on that list. That was Miles Sanders. Uh, he was he so he he. Slotted in here is a possible candidate, and uh, round five. Uh, which way? Which way did he roll in round five?
1: Yeah, so we had Sanders on there. He's one of Curtis's favorites. Definitely, I love him. Think that he, of all the rookie backs, has the huge upside. You look at some of the things going on with the offense there with the Raiders. You look at how much Montgomery would have to do to take away all the receiving uh, touches necessary to have the monster season there with the Bears, and not that those guys are bad picks where they're going. But Sanders is is this huge upside league winning type of player, the kind of guy who a year from now, you know, he could be going in that Nick Chubb sort of range, perhaps even higher since he has a little bit more variety to his profile. He still was more of a panic pick for us because we wanted to get one of these really strong wide receivers who's going to be a foundation piece, even the fifth rounder. Lockett was off the board Uh, very sadly Boyd went one pick ahead of us and we won't give away any of the specifics but to one of the top fantasy football players in the world so if you're looking for uh, more Boyd enthusiasm he certainly is is one of those guys who's being selected by the big time players and at that point we ended up going with Cooper Cup did get ourselves a member of that Rams offense and you know a, a lot of this is complete nonsense but you know you are starting to hear things about cup being more athletic in his testing post rehab and the way he was going last year when he got hurt he was going to be a top top wide receiver so i think you're actually getting almost a full round discount here on cup in terms of what he projects to do this year
3: yeah there's definitely an injury discount there and th- there's a situation where you could have the three of those guys almost going in the same round if he hadn't got injured uh you know last year towards the end um I-, I think it's safe to say boyd would have been the pick there and then Lockett's the other one that's very interesting we'll be talking about him a little bit later in the show again but uh very very uh again a little bit of uh losing out on the player just a pick a pick before uh can be a little bit frustrating so we're going to look now at round six this is the other round that i mentioned that i'm really enjoying picking in with those wide receivers so we have an here uh, Robbie Anderson who uh, you know hopefully we see a step forward from Sam Darnold I talked about that probably a month or so ago uh, and I think the reports are good so far this year uh, in terms of the Jets quarterback making that second year leap forward so we have him we have Mike Williams who has showed the touchdown upside you have Tevin Coleman in there you have Jarvis Landry and Will Fuller so uh, you're getting into before I say who you did pick I'm just interested you've mentioned you know like that Miles Sanders was uh, one one of Curtis's favorite guys this offseason where is that debate where have you drawn the line in terms of who gets to make that final say is it, is it difficult is it like oh well I'll let you make the, the jump on the next pick if it comes to a
1: 50-50 call or was that hard in any, any of these early picks? It wasn't we we've shared so much research during the course of the season and have enough similarities on our board and we had discussed and prepared going in we had a you know these the set of guys that we wanted and more or less had blacklisted and it, it was only a A couple of players but blacklisted the person that either you know someone who curtis definitely didn't want then we weren't going to consider someone i definitely didn't want we weren't going to consider and so the people that we still had left we loved as options and the other thing that really helped us is that we had the same beliefs in terms of how we wanted to do the draft structurally if you have spent uh, some time on the site you know that number one that single elite or that one elite running back construction has been very effective recently and for obvious reasons that or zero running back was the way that we wanted to go with this being ffpc and having an early slot that moved us in the direction of that and then we also knew that unless some fantastic opportunity came up that we wanted that big time tied in right? Again, the research suggests unequivocally that you want that stud tight end to build the foundation of your roster. So once we had that, then it was very straightforward that we knew we wanted wide receivers through the range where wide receivers dominate running backs, right? This is the running back dead zone. We've got, uh, you know, so many different angles on this topic on the site. Blair has his win the flex app, which will show you the big contrast between wide receiver and running back scoring in this range. And then later on, There is actually a small window where running backs are favored, certainly rookie running backs are favored, and so this draft played out exactly the way we wanted it to from a structural perspective, and I think that that only works for you if you also love the players right? You're not going to go against the players you want just to have a particular construction. But when it comes together like this, where the players you want match up perfectly with the construction that you want, then you come out of the draft feeling great. Now that doesn't mean you're going to win, but you certainly want to be prepared enough that you never come out of a draft and be like, well, you know, that went poorly. I, you know, you know, pick the wrong guys you shouldn't pick the wrong guys right we when we have the structure in place we have the targets in place to be prepared for multiple contingencies and to really hammer the players that we like in the ranges we like them and so I, I think that once you go through that the draft just ends up being a blast
3: I agree there. And, um, it's, it's just, um, it's just, a, it's a really cool strategy. I just wanted to ask that question because you mentioned earlier teasing people doing it, uh, you know, drafting together. And obviously that there leads into the situation is how do you coincide? So very, very good answer there. And um, when we look then, I just want to mention to the listeners again, this is obviously the FFPC main event. The FFPC have been a long time sponsor here and a supporter of Rotovis Radio and of course we think that they do the best leagues in the business. So I just want a, a second to tell you as we always do about them. They are the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. It's been 10 years since they filled that first dynasty league and now they've grown to the world's largest dynasty commissioner. Their leagues are active and competitive and not a single league has ever folded. Brand new startup dynasty leagues are starting and forming right now through the start of the NFL season starting at $77 and upwards in standard superflex and best ball formats. For those of you who are ready for the greatest challenge the ffpc main event is now drafting it is the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football and this year is coming to you with half a million dollar grand prize and over 3.1 million in total prizes Main event drafts start on August the 23rd and run through the NFL season. So obviously we're on August the 28th now. We have been running over the last uh, week or so, and Sean has his draft done. So go to the myffpc.com website now and register. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. So Sean, we're going to start to go through the rounds a little bit uh, in a more uh grouped bases uh to try and run through some of them so round seven um it is a pick then that you took Curtis Samuel we talked a little bit about Rashad Penny earlier in the show in round eight he was your pick at round 809 round nine then we jumped to Justice Hill who we've talked about uh, a couple of times in the show and then round 10 it was Ronald Jones so there's a clear change here when we get to round eight round nine round 10 uh to, to really hit on those running backs and you also mentioned that earlier in the show if you missed out on DJ Moore you were going to try and get Curtis to Samuel so out of those four guys were you happy was there anyone that you were hoping to get maybe that didn't make it to you just a couple of picks out or were you you over overall were you very happy with those four selections in that range
1: we were happy we were hoping in round eight to get Royce Freeman instead he's a little bit higher on our board there Uh, Freeman also shows up in the running back countdown talk a lot there about how when you go and look at his production metrics and his uh, athletic metrics together, he's almost a dead ringer coming out of college for David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell. Which it, it's hard to have a couple of comps that would give you any more enthusiasm about a player than that. It's also a situation here where even though Philip Lindsay probably a little bit more dynamic and exciting last year than Chris Carson, he's also someone where it would be easier to see Freeman beating him out. And so uh, in terms of how the workloads would go early on, we thought Freeman had a little bit more upside. Now uh, he's another back where we would like him to start demonstrating a little bit more of that receiving ability that his profile suggests. One of the things about the big backs who have the elite agility is that they're the guys who become that David Johnson, become that Le'Veon Bell and really have this huge three down workload. We haven't really seen that from him at the NFL level yet, but again, the second year is where we would expect that explosion to come from so certainly a tad bit of disappointment there but penny a good consolation prize we discussed a little bit already but we're moving here into the running back window with justice hill specifically the rookie running back window where rookie running backs not only uh, do they outperform do running backs outperform wide receivers in this range but rookie running backs vastly outperform veteran running backs in this range and so he's another guy that we love the explosion for and also love the schedule for there so there were a lot of different reasons that we wanted him and if this had been a two running back three wide receiver one flex league we probably would not have been quite as running back heavy we might have taken another wide receiver in the eighth round there but with the two two and two format we're just we're not going running back heavy certainly we're still looking at wide receivers as the preferred play in the flex position but we do want to give ourselves some different outs we want to give ourselves some flexibility so that if our roster does play out that we have three or four star running backs in the end you can slot both of those guys into the flex position if that's how your roster develops throughout the season so in terms of how running back heavy we were in that range that helps to explain a little bit of the reason why
3: yeah, and we're not finished with running backs yet. We've already talked about him uh, a little bit earlier in the show. Naheem Hines was the next pick up at 11.04. A player there who uh, you know I, w- I would be really happy to, to jump on those rosters. Uh, another one that you mentioned who was in, in consideration there was Justin Jackson. So obviously uh, Hines then uh, becoming the pick. The other player in, in play there is Kyler Murray, who you were interested in having. Now, it's interesting to see then in the 12th round when we get through those picks, uh, it is a case where Kyler Murray is the pick that comes back to you. So, just jumping at the Kyler Murray, were you surprised at how much he lasted in terms of getting back to you uh, when you were thinking about him? You know, a, a full round earlier in terms of of getting him on the board.
1: Not necessarily. This was a very tight draft with some of the biggest stars uh, in high stakes fantasy football, and so you would expect. The quarterbacks to fall uh, this draft occurred right in that perfect window where he'd had that bad second preseason game and the much stronger or at least not disastrous uh, third preseason game that has sort of created a little bit of a floor for where he's falling in drafts hadn't happened yet And so we were sitting in the perfect window to take him. And the way that our quarterback discussions fell out, we had talked a little bit about Baker Mayfield, uh, Curtis being from Ohio, having him as a huge uh, fan favorite. And then obviously Murray a little bit earlier than we ended up taking him. But, and this is, uh, you know, certainly a theme throughout all fantasy football analysis Uh, for many years now but we didn't think especially in this loaded of a draft that we could afford to take a quarterback until all of our priority running backs were off the board and so uh, in round 11 we still had to go Hines. in round 12 we were looking at adding a second tight end There's a very strong argument that we should have done that, but Murray was too fun to pass up here. When you're looking at the main event, you're looking to not only win your individual league, but you're looking to put yourself in position to win the $500,000, right? I mean, one person does have to win it. And the person who does will be somebody who has the super team and their starting lineup will be loaded right and that's one of the reasons why we took Kittle early as well Is you know it doesn't help if, if you have the fantasy points on the bench and so we wanted to make sure we had a little bit of that upside and we hit quarterback a couple more times later to make sure we had some protection in case he just blows up but into the round 12 it started to make sense to take a flyer on an exciting quarterback
3: yeah, and what we're going to do as well is uh, I'm going to run through all of the rest of the picks and then I have two questions to, to wrap up on the draft. So round 13, we have Traquan Smith. Then we have uh man on the zero RB lat- list last week and that was Jalen Richard in the 14th round and uh, then 15th round in Cael Harry, then 16th round going quarterback again of Tom Brady, 17th round Andy Isabella, and then 18th round again uh, to Sam Darnold. So the two questions I have is obviously uh, you've gone there for two quarterbacks. I mentioned uh, Darnold earlier in the show. I think that's a, an extreme value there, getting him in that 18th round. Uh, at 1809 but between uh, the three quarterbacks obviously we've talked about the the premium kind of or the premier strategy in terms of best ball and the the roster construction app uh, are you happy with uh, those those three quarterbacks that you did come away with and those
1: kind of round 12 through round 18 spots i am uh, tom brady in, in 16 illustrates why you, you just simply can't take a quarterback very early now that he's starting to get his receivers back i think that passing offense is going to be explosive he's going to score a ton of points and is a fairly safe play even though in the past several years he has had some individual weeks that weren't that big in terms of the, the individual week scoring and then darnold another potential breakout candidate blair's got a ton of awesome research up on the site about how that second year is the big year especially for very young especially for first round picks and so I mean Darnold has mega big breakout potential in this offense you can make an argument that he should be the guy going in round 12 instead of Murray and so We wanted to have these guys on the roster, see what each of them looks like in week one. We'll almost certainly cut down to two. But even with quarterbacks being inexpensive, that doesn't mean they don't score a lot of points. You definitely want to go through and do the work to give yourself the opportunity to score at this position and to have some guys to match up and get the the big plays in each week. If you're not sitting on a quarterback in your starting lineup each week who has the potential to that week score a ton of points then you know again you're you're not getting your starting lineup maximized and so that's one of the things we wanted to be very sure we did in these late rounds
3: yeah and I, I I really think that like I you mentioned a good point there and he could be in that 12th round I I think that come the end of the season the, the likelihood is that he finishes as a top 12 quarterback I am very excited to see the step forward from Sam Darnold this year and uh, I'm nearly at the stage where I think I might be starting to get too excited <laughs> about the about the Jets this this season um when we look then the other question I had was uh, you mentioned earlier in the show about the the running back rookies uh, and how there is that window there to draft those. Obviously, Quan Smith is a second-year player, so he doesn't really fit into that. But we did talk about him this time last year quite a bit for the Saints. And particularly in baseball, he does have the traits to become, uh, you know, a real baseball, uh, you know, explosive player. Uh, the other one is Nkeel Harry, obviously the rookie, and then Andy Isabella. Uh, so you've gone very, very young there at the wide receiver position. Uh, do you think there is some, uh, obviously in this case you did, but at that rookie wide receiver position do you think those guys are starting to be overlooked and that the value is uh, quite quite high on those guys as you again I keep coming back to it week seven week eight week nine these guys do you think could be those uh, leading targets and, and those offenses
1: definitely and you know you look at sort of the progression of ADP for some of these rookies throughout the cor- course of the offseason where before we know what, where they're going to go then people are are very uh circumspect and you know don't want to shell out that really early pick when you know the person could turn out to be hakeem butler and be someone the nfl isn't nearly as high on but then once we start to see okay the nfl does like these guys their ADP skyrocket and they start to get into the range where especially in that first half of the season it's going to be very difficult for them to pay off at adp but then you know once you have a situation with harry you have a situation with isabella where both of them have either been injured or underwhelming In training camp and then their ADP start to plummet again and they move right back into that range where they will almost certainly outscore ADP. Now the question is about roster construction and will you have to make some moves before they start to be someone who's relevant for your particular team especially with Isabella I think that's going to be the case for us so when we do some moves here even before the season starts with the first waiver wire opportunity you know he's someone who may have to be a cut and reacquire type of player but With these guys who have the very strong profiles, you would expect them to have fantasy value in that second half of the season. And certainly once you get into the heavy buys, you get into that time period where there has been some attrition on your roster, you've got some injured players. Uh, Some of these rookies, especially if the offense is functional, will start to look very, very positive in terms of that last spot in your starting lineup, certainly give you some flex options that will allow you to cover up for other injuries that have occurred along the way.
3: So to get ready to wrap things up, Sean, in overtime this week, we're going to look a little bit of Tyler Lockett. Uh, Lockett is somebody who Stefan LeCoe. Listeners might know him from the College Football Show uh, that we do here on Rotoviz Radio and also the Baseball Podcast. But uh, Stefan has a piece up about Tyler Lockett. The title is You Think You're High on Tyler Lockett, but You Aren't High Enough. And Lockett's been somebody I've loved for many years. Last year, it was efficiency that got him there. I wish there was a bit more of a target volume that could go behind that to just make him that next level uh, star but we just we just have that situation where we're probably thinking that he's going to be at the same level last year and the problem is repeating that efficiency could be very very difficult but Lockett is a player who athletically uh, I've been a a fan of since he came into the league um, you know quite a few years ago now when you start to think about it had an injury where he broke his ankle came back uh, and uh, looked very very good last year so what's your thoughts on Tyler Lockett is he somebody who you think maybe uh the fantasy industry isn't high enough on at this current moment again i mentioned earlier in the show the the perception of the the seahawks running the ball more than we would like them to do um do you think that that has going to probably come a little bit into our psychological
1: uh kind of evaluation then of some of these uh players for the seahawks well number one the article is awesome you should definitely go and check that out you will come away with locket on your priority target list and uh, someone that you're looking to lock down in every league lock it's difficult again to imagine a scenario where he just flat out fails but in terms of returning value when you compare him to the players he's going against like you mentioned you've got an offense that does not want to pass the ball you've got an offense that doesn't have anyone else unless metcalf is very quickly what people hope him to be doesn't have anyone else to worry the defense you've got a player who's been a little bit more of a vertical receiver you've got a player who is clearly a well above average receiver, but we've seen enough of his career that it's much less likely that he's a true star, right? That he's going to be someone where a year from now, he would be a tail end of the first round type of player. And I think in this range, for me, I still want to be targeting those kinds of guys. Uh, Even half a round later than he's going, he becomes someone that I think you would want to buy everywhere. But he's in a tricky place for me where Tyler Lockett is always one of those guys I've loved. I mean, he's a K-State guy, you know, just down the road from Kansas City. Uh, You know, can he pay off? Is he the best choice with how high he's going? I think for me, that's a little bit of a trickier question.
3: Yeah, the the part is the 10 touchdowns last season. And, you know, last season was... Uh, 70 targets so he's had 69 66 71 and 70 targets in his career i just if we could see some more passing in this offense and he could get to that 90 to 100 target range I think then he becomes in the, uh, like just a, a superstar in this offense, but I think he's capped, and I just wish they would take the, the leash off Russell Wilson a bit and let him let him throw the ball a little bit more. But we'll see what the Seahawks do, but uh, it's, it's a great article. Go check that out up on the site. And that's going to do it for today's edition of the show. As always, do check out the Patreon page. It's a lot of fun. I mentioned earlier in the show, 10% discount and Patreon access for those guys who sign up for the, the two-year two pass with the 10% discount at rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. And of course, uh, until we're back with another show, I'm Colum Kelly. Follow me on Twitter at over tomorrow. My co-host is Sean Siegel. And until we're back with the next one, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Road of Viz Radio. Please rate and review the Road of Viz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at roadofisradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Road of Viz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Road of Viz at a 30% discount through the Road of Viz Radio homepage, roadofis.com forward slash podcast.
2: There's ghosts haunting these woods and they're headed straight for Roaring Camp Railroads. Is it a trick? No, it's Thomas and Percy's Halloween Party. And with a bounce house, pumpkin patch, temporary tattoos and face painting, plus photos with Sir Topham Hatt, it's certainly going to be a treat. So get down to Roaring Camp before all the fun disappears. Weekends October 12th through the 27th. There's ghosts haunting these woods, and they're headed straight for Roaring Camp Railroads. Is it a trick? No. It's Thomas and Percy's Halloween party. And with a bounce house, pumpkin patch, temporary tattoos and face painting, plus photos with Sir Topham hats, it's certainly going to be a treat. So get down to Roaring Camp before all the fun disappears. Weekends October 12th through the 27th.